disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Mark 16.15 And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Romans 10, 13 through 14. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Almost done. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 24. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonder among all peoples. And finally, our base text today, Acts 13, beginning in verse 2, going to verse 5. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went out to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. My topic today is missions, as we are talking about missions. And I was, that, as we have been saying on this last team that went out in this effort to re- establish that connection with our mission in Cambodia. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what we're doing in Cambodia, you're a visitor here today, I think you kind of got the gist of it. We are helping a young church plant out there. It's a year old in its church plant effort. So the sermon today is going to be talking about missions. What is missions? Is what I want to first uh, discuss. And then where missions fit within the life of the church and who should do missions. Now, missions is a word that isn't restricted to use by Christians only. We're just kind of used to hearing it within that context. We're used to hearing the word missionary. Automatically in our mind comes Christian missionaries. As a matter of fact, though, if you look in the Bible, I'm using the New King James Version because it's awesome, but um, If you do search to where the word shows up, where it first shows up, it shows up twice, and it's, it's not in a very pleasant context either. It's in 1 Samuel 15, 18 through 20, and this is where God instructs the first king of Israel, whose name was Saul, to go on a mission and wipe out the Amalekites. You think, ooh, that's the first word in mission. Because mission really isn't just a a term in use for the Christian context that we're used to hearing it in. It isn't. We're or seeing it in. You know, we live in California. We have over 21, I think, state parks that are based around the old uh, Roman Catholic missions that were established by the Spanish in the uh, early days of this, uh, this nation. 
before California was put into the United States. I think my favorite, I don't know if you guys have ever been there in San Luis Obispo. How many of you guys have been to San Luis Obispo? Man, I love that town. I could live in that town. The worship, the music director that was here before we left, he left to live in that city, go back and live in that city. And I was like, man, let's switch places. I love that town. And I, I visit that mission because I just like to go there and see the history and see, understand what was going on, what, what was in the mindset of the Roman Catholic Church as they were attempting to do their take on converting people. So the concept of missions isn't uh, unique to Christianity. And particularly the person called a missionary can really be anyone who goes somewhere to convert someone to their religion. That's the concept of a missionary. Um, the reason why it is more often associated with Christianity than not is due to something about Christianity in and of itself. That Christianity in and of itself is missional in character. Christianity has a very missional characteristic. So let me paint a picture for you of what the mentality was in biblical times when it comes to religion. Pagan religions that were there in Bible times had this way of, the people had this way of worshiping them. You see, gods were geographical. They sort of ruled an area of land. We would have, if we were pagans, the California gods. I shudder to think what they would look like. But in a sense, we actually do in Tinsel and Hollywood. <laughs> Those would be your California gods. We would have these California gods, right? The pagans think about this. We have our gods here. And all we got to do in order to get these gods to bless us is perform whatever rituals and rites they demand of us. And so there was always a lot of stuff to, to go and try to please these gods. Many of their rituals included acts of killing, sometimes their own children, acts of sexual morality, all kinds of crazy stuff. And all of it was designed to get a reaction out of these false gods. And when they would go to war against a neighboring nation or tribe or whatever, it was therefore a battle of our gods versus your gods. That's what it was all about. That's how they thought. That's what they, they, how they functioned. You know, when the Romans were coming in and conquering and conquering and conquering and conquering, it was more than the Romans coming in and conquering and conquering. It was their gods as well, defeating the gods of the conquered peoples. You know, sounds kind of childish in a way. My god's bigger than your gods, you know, kind of a thing. No, uh But that's what it was. That's what it was. Enter into the scene, the Christian faith. Christianity spreads after the Lord dies and resurrects, and after Acts 2, when the church is officially inaugurated at this day called Pentecost, 2,000 get saved, and it's growing and it's growing, and it too has an army of people. It has an army of the communion of saints, believers. And they too are out conquering, but not with weapons of war. They have one weapon, truth. Just truth. A truth 
which was calling all these other people following these false gods to come out of it. A truth that was exposing their religious systems for what it really was. Lies. Hollow, shallow, empty lies. My heart really got broke in Cambodia in a way because as we were driving that five-hour trip from Phnom Penh to uh, Kampong Som, you see people, they have sh little shops. Okay? They have to make income. So everybody makes a shop next to it. You got these shops that sell the same thing. Actually, not the same thing because every alternate one has a sign for the... They have two beers in Cambodia uh, and they all compete in, in these shops. They take turns who's supporting who. <laughs> But one thing you always see is these little things that, that, that sell these golden little temples that sit. They look like birdhouses. They look like birdhouses. That's what I call them, birdhouses. But they were little temples that you would put in your front of your, your house to bring a blessing upon you. And these things sell by the, I mean, the, by the lot. They're everywhere, everywhere. And you just look at it and you think, man, that is so lost. That this little wooden thing at the next windy rainstorm that's just going to fall over is what they're banking on for a blessing. And so Christianity comes in and says, turn away from the false gods to the true God. Turn away from the darkness to the light. Understand really what is real. The truth, that it's all a lie. And this God who we bring to you, Christians said, has proved it by becoming man himself, dying and raised again as promised. Christianity comes in and says, you don't have to move. You can just live right where you are. But living there, you'll never be the same again because the truth is going to change you. And the God of the Bible will indwell in you and empower you to follow him and to live a life that pleases him. He'll do it for you. Didn't involve geographical boundaries. It left people in their culture right where they were, but not the same. It was a different thing that when Christianity came onto the scene. Christians were different. They were different. I saw all these people, they, they, they spend all these time in temples in Cambodia, they build these large temples, and I asked Pastor Hor, how often do the people go to visit the temple? Do they go like once a week like we do for church? No. Just on certain days, and most of them skip. <laughs> and yet you will find these huge temples everywhere. I mean, one of the world heritage sites, a temple site called Angkor Wat. How many of you guys know Angkor Wat? It's in Cambodia, northern Cambodia. It's one of the marvels of the world. It's built basically on a large piece of land. It's, it's a thousand years old, and Cambodia is very wet. And believe it or not, the, the king who built this designed it so that it would never flood because it actually floats on the water. If you see pictures of Angkor Wat, it's amazing. But it's hollow. It's shallow. It's nothing. It started out as a Hindu temple, and now it's a, a Buddhist temple. So the Cambodian people live in this culture. And what we're trying to do is doing what the church does. Go in and bring the truth. Because that's what Christianity does. The Christians, you know, they're different. 
even though they have all these temples, Pastor Horace said they're, they're not very happy. They lived with death for a very long time. War only really ended in Cambodia in 1997. For a thousand years prior to that, on and off wars continuously. Imagine growing up like that. Imagine growing up as a little kid in your neighborhood and you're just used to the fact that any now, any minute now, an invading army is going to come in and take you captive. You just, you just have a different look on life. You know, you begin to learn to live with death. And so they're not a very joyous people, but we bring the gospel, and the gospel changes people within their culture, and these Christians, even back then, were becoming different, no longer part of that pagan mindset. They were joyous. They were self-sacrificial. They were practicing kindness to one another. The Romans had a very sad, sad practice because they lived in such a self-pleasing way, in such a hedonistic way. And a lot of their decisions would create unwanted babies. And they were in the practice of simply casting these unwanted babies into, off of bridges into rivers. And the Christians, the Christians would be down there in little boats pulling them out and raising them. See, Christianity comes and it changes the person from the inside. And one of the things that happens is the value of life comes to the surface Christians back in the biblical times were different. They were helping the poor and the sick. The people who the, the pagan religions have written off as being cursed, they would help them. They would help the widows. They would help the orphans. You could read about it in the New Testament. And their belief was so strong, so convinced of the certainty of their belief, these Christians were, that they were willing to be tortured they were willing to be suffered. They were willing to be ridiculed. They were willing to be even put to death for what they believed. Christianity came into the scene and changed everything. And when you do missions, when you go out in missions to a different culture from ours, especially like the one in Cambodia, steeped in paganism, you walk into a world very much like what the Bible times are. You're walking into something that is completely foreign. Christianity is missional in character, and I would tell you that it's essentially missional in character. When something is part of your essence, when something is inherent, existence becomes compromised when it's removed. That's what we mean by when something is essential. This essential part of Christianity this missional character actually isn't something just starting in the New Testament. You know where it goes back to? Genesis. Creation. The creation mandate. Genesis 1, 27-28, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. You see that? Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. With mankind being created in the image of God, being little tiny image bearers reflecting God, the original mandate was for man to fill the earth and populate the earth, bringing the glory of God everywhere he 
wind. That's the original creation mandate. When a local church falls into the trap or decides, for whatever reasons, to remove the missional aspect of Christianity or to simply downplay it, we're going to focus more on what we're doing here with us. When that happens, it's like the wheels falling off of a car. You're ensuring the eventual shutting of the doors of that local church. And that's why we at EGBC, we know this, and we are very, very much committed, not just to global missions, but local missions as well. We used to have a group of us that were normally going out to where Pastor Ernie works full-time, the Union Gospel Mission House, and we had to stop it because I had to just basically I had too much on my plate. I couldn't do it anymore. But I'm looking forward to the day when we can go back and do that again because that is a part of local missions. Plus, you get to see where Pastor Ernie works. And he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a rock star over there. Now, you might say, that's an interesting point, Phil, that you think that's so much about the missional aspect, but how do you know that being miss, missional is really that essential to the local church? How, do, how can I really say that? Missions itself in the church is actually part of a broader category. Missions itself is part of evangelism. Evangelism was ordained by Jesus actually to be part of the church after Jesus was tempted by the devil, after he defeated the devil in the desert, I want to say. The Bible says that Jesus began preaching, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, Mark 1.15. Jesus gave the great commission, after he died and rose again. It was an act of giving the same task that he was practicing in the very beginning of that preaching of the message of the gospel. He was giving that same task to the church, the task of going out, the task of preaching the good news. And this is a very important point, which I'm going to get back to later. But more in evangelism. Evangelism itself is a part, not only of, of, because Jesus has ordained it, but it's also a part of the ministry of the Word. In the Great Commission, again, make disciples of all nations. Disciples of what? Disciples of Jesus by the ministry of the Word. And so we have this set of links. You have the ministry of the Word, which then goes to evangelism, which then goes to missions. It's all linked. But I don't want you to think of it as links in a chain or, or boxes on an organization organization chart or something like that. Because when you think of it that way, you start thinking of them as entities in and of themselves with just a little weak connection between them. It's actually more like a stream, like a river. At the head of the river is Christ. And from Christ flows the living word. And from the word being preached and taught well in a church comes evangelism. And out of evangelism, then naturally flows missions. Missions. You've got to have a healthy church. You do. So we actually kind of see this whole concept in play in our base text in Acts chapter uh, 2. We're going to go to Acts chapter two, uh, 13, I'm sorry, 2 through 5. We're going to put this all together in this passage. 
So I've said that missions is, is a part of or naturally flows from the task of evangelism. Evangelism being the action of calling people to repentance and salvation by faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin and therefore inherent to the church. Evangelism is part of or naturally flows from the ministry of the word, the teaching and the preaching. Therefore, Christianity is essentially an, or inherently missional in character. What does that mean for you? You are missional by design. And nobody who calls himself a Christian is not. It simply is a matter of getting to know you. Last night, over the weekend, some of you know my son, my oldest son, who's not here today, he's probably still asleep. He was uh, playing the king in the production called The King and I. How many of you guys know that? There's a song that goes in there. Some of you guys know the song. Getting to know you. <laughs> and, you know, those songs just have a way of never leaving your mind once they get in. Getting to know that you're missional is important. And the way that you unlock this aspect of your life as a believer, I'm speaking to the believers, the way that this happens and the way that it happens in the church, how we equip you, is by biblical teaching and preaching. The Word is primary in a church. Always. Always. Everything begins from there. In Acts, we see in verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The phrase, as they ministered to the Lord, means basically that as they were, what they were doing presently was practicing the activities of ministry. As they were ministering to the Lord, it means as they were doing church and doing it right. There was the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Then they would sing a hymn. Sing out of the Psalms, really. They used to sing out of the Psalms. Maybe we should get into that practice. And then they would have the Lord's Supper, the sacraments. New converts would then be baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was the fellowship of the saints. There was a community of believers. There was a caring of one another's burdens. There was helping one another. There was caring for one another. All of it stemming from the ministry of preaching and teaching. This is what they were doing. This is what they were doing. And they were a good and solid, healthy, a, a biblical church. And what came out of it? The natural byproduct? Evangelism. Read on. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Did you see that? When did they get that direction? When they were doing church right. When they were doing... We can't help Cambodia as an unhealthy church. We have to be healthy, and that's why we work hard at bringing you guys to the Scriptures. Because I can't, I can't, I can stir you up emotionally, or I can try. I'm not really that type of a guy, but I can try. Douglas is better at it. I could try. 
you know. But that's like trying to survive on, on just bread or candy. Eventually, you get that initial sugar rush, yeah, and then you die. <laughs> that's how we got some of the kids through their play last night. We just pumped them full of sugar and go out there. And The Spirit said, separate from me, Barnabas and Saul. As they were teaching the word, as they were doing church, as they were going on, praying and fasting and carrying one another's burdens, etc., 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 the Spirit, as they were practicing righteousness and worshiping God in everyday life, gives them a command. It's a command. You don't see it so much in the English, but in the Greek, it's in the imperative form. Now, separate to me. And you have to pay careful attention to this next fact. This, this is important, and it goes back to that point I was referring to earlier. To whom was the instruction by the Spirit given to? The church. Again, you can see it in the English a little. But in the Greek, the command separated to me is in what's called a second-person plural form. It means this. You all separate to me. God was giving a command to all of them, to the church. Separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. It doesn't say that the word was given to Paul or to Saul. And he could have very well had the burden to go out. Likewise, it doesn't say that it was given to Barnabas. It was given to the church. Now, we know later in Paul's epistles that he was aware of his calling to be the apostle to the Gentiles, but here, this instruction is given to the church. And then we see the next verse. Then having fasted and prayed, meaning it was something they already had done, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Who was they? Who was doing the sending away? The church again. Evangelism and with it, missions, exactly what we see being given to Paul and Barnabas right here, is something which is being done by God through the church by his intentional design. And that's a very important thing. That God has ordained evangelism to belong and to be an inherent part of his church while it's on the earth. The church militant, as we call it. There are two churches, if you don't know. The church militant and the church triumphant. Those are our saints who have finished the race, like our sister Ramona, and are now at home with the Lord. She's in victory. And we're the militant. And our activity is evangelism. And the Spirit set them apart. But the church, acting in accordance with the Spirit, did the sending out. Evangelism and with that missions, when done correctly, means biblically, which means biblically, is to be done through the church. The church is where you get busy, Christian, for Jesus. This is where it all happens. And I think sometimes we miss that. We come to church thinking, man, you know, oh, yeah, you know, the music was okay, you know, and you know, they, they do things okay, but the church is where you get busy to do the Lord's work. We come together to get busy to do the Lord's work. It's where it happens. And not only is it where it happens, it's where God has ordained it to happen. And it will not happen outside of it. It could in some form or another, but I'm going to tell you right now, what God has ordained 
is where you want to be. Anywhere else is a waste of time. So the church is the one that sent them out. The church is the one that puts them out. It's where it all happens. And so a key point we can take here is this. Yes, the church is missional, and therefore everyone who is a believer and a member of the church is also missional along with it, meaning there are no missionary cowboys and cowgirls. And the Spirit moves both on and through the church. That's the key point, is that the church is missional and all of you with it. So our approach in Cambodia and to another lesser degree, Haiti, we are working with a church. This church, working with that church, because that's the way evangelism is done. When the other part of the team, they go to Haiti, they join up with another church. That church, working with the churches in Haiti. You're going to hear about that next week. That's how evangelism is done. It's not just going out there and setting up the band and doing a big concert and having this great, awesome experience and coming home. I have no interest in doing such things. But if you ask me if I'd like to go to a prayer meeting from this little church in Cambodia, try and stop me. I will go. And I tell you, it's a, it's, it's a blessing to see how God has ordained really how the gospel is to spread through churches, through churches, healthy churches. Every Christian should be doing a part in the spreading of the gospel in the day-to-day -day life. That's a no-brainer. But a biblical mission can only be done through the church. The church is the one that sends them out. I made every effort to stress that when I was in Cambodia. I didn't want the people in Cambodia to think, Pastor Phil from California came. I wanted them to hear that EGBC has come through Pastor Phil, that you are there through us. And over and over I stress that. I come from EGBC for you, to serve you, to know you, to understand you, to be a blessing to you, to even cry and be sad with you. Yes, one of the events we didn't talk about during the thing was we actually um, had a tragic, that lady Sita that I pointed out to you, she was engaged to be married. In that culture, it, it's a very involved thing with the families. You know, they're not like us, you know, they just, they can split off and elope, that's not allowable. The families get together, they have this meeting, there's a dowry exchange, you know, it's very, very formal. That young lady Sita was engaged to be uh, go to her engagement party on the Wednesday and the Monday. Um, you know, she was very excited. She was in my class. I was teaching the seniors. And, you know, she needed a cab ride because, you know, she had to get home and get ready for this thing. So I gave somebody to be a cab ride. But it was that night that her brother was murdered. And it's a family of all girls and one boy. And as you guys know, in some of these older cultures, it's the man that has the ability to generate the income. It's just the way it is. Um, her brother was murdered, her younger brother, 21, I think it was. And so we as, you know, a team, along with Pastor Hoare and a lot of the Bible college students, we all, in the middle of the night, got together in the truck. You know, we drove off, picked up all the kids. We were a full load. We drove all the way to Sita's house, which is pretty far away, in the middle of the night, to go and console this young sister who was the only Christian in this family, 
and we walk into this scene, and you have to kind of walk to the house between these, these gates. These are very narrow gates. You saw all those motorbikes? There's about 10 million of those motorbikes. As soon as they're 12 years old, they buy a motorbike, I think, or something like that. You know, and you're walking up this narrow, this narrow entrance to the house, and motorbikes are coming this way, and me and Dante, and all of us are going that way, and, you know, me and Dante, we're, we're kind of bigger people. You know, we had to really suck in so the handlebars wouldn't scrape our, you know. We get there, and there's these Buddhist monks chanting. There's all this incense going. There's lights. There's the, the bullhorn thing going. There's, there's a body there wrapped in white linen. There's flowers. There's people sitting around. Some of them seem to be in their own world. There's Sita's mom, who eventually started crying hysterically while we were there. And we were there to be lights, to pray with her in front of this culture to show this is how Christians come together. This is what we do. And as we were there doing that, you were too. Because we came as you. And they know EGBC cares. They know. I get very concerned when I run in or hear about people going off trying to do missions or without the covering of a church. I get very concerned because I know that it isn't biblical and it's not happening the way God has ordained it and some bad things can come of it when you do things like that. The task of sending people out into the city and to the world to make disciples is something that God has purposely ordained it should only happen within the church. Verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there to Cyprus. Did you see something there? Who sent them out? It says here the Holy Spirit. But I thought the church just sent them out. Yeah. The Holy Spirit sent them out through the church. The ordained means by which evangelism is done. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that God would choose to do such things with us. He will do his work. He has chosen to do his work. And let me just say it like this. He has chosen to limit himself to do this work, to work his power through a community of earthen vessels with all its faults, all its fears, all our failures, that's how he's chosen to do it. All of our frailties, all of our insecurities, all of our head trips, that's how God has ordained to do it. And he hasn't just ordained it, he has promised that it would be invincible, that not even the gates of hell would be able to prevail against his church. That's a powerful thing to think about when you give it some time. You, you almost, when you think of it, I get kind of scared when I think like this. I'm like, man, we can, we can really do what the Lord is leading us. Anything. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And that's when it starts to hit you. You know, that, that mission bug. That's when it starts to hit you. It's possible. 
anything. Is, we can do this. We can help a church plant. And as we work with it, and as it grows, and it grows, and it reaches more and more and more, it too will begin to do the same thing. Verse 5, And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their assistant. Healthy churches produce more churches. Missions is about working to plant churches in places where there are little or none. And in a way, you can see the Great Commission as a New Testament expression of the original creation mandate that I mentioned earlier. You're going into all the earth and you're feeling it. You're being fruitful and you're multiplying. Adam failed at this, but Jesus redeemed man and restarted it. And his tool is the Spirit of God working in and through the church using the ministry of the Word to fulfill that mandate. And you're part of it. Therefore, evangelism with its missions should also never be done apart from the ministry of the Word. Apart from the ministry of the Word. There's a scene in that musical, King and I. I'm kind of stuck in the King and I. I'm sorry, guys. I had very little sleep for the past three weeks. Where Anna comes and meets the king, King Fra Mahamangut. And in the conversation, the king strongly condemns slavery. Slavery bad. My son was doing that. Slavery bad. And all the while, he's in this throne room, and all his servants are bowed to the ground with their face to the ground. Slavery bad. And then they get up and leave. <laughs> you just have to laugh at the obvious contradiction. You're just like, oh, that's, that was hilarious. That was, that was true. And it kind of reminds me of my point here. To do evangelism and with it missions, apart from the ministry of the word, apart from the preaching and the teaching of the scripture, is an obvious contradiction. You don't do it that way. It can't be done that way. And that's what we are focusing as you support this. Now we have... Here goes the missional plea. You guys ready? We have uh, set it up that you can, you can help support this effort in six-month increments. You can commit to give whatever amount you can for six months. Just keep that commitment. And that becomes part of the, the money that helps continue that work in Kampong Som. So the pastor whore can get a salary and they can pay their rent and continue to grow that church. They have one elder, one deacon, and as it continues to grow, we're looking forward to seeing another elder, more deacons, and have that building grow and become more of a, of a facility that they can use to reach that area. Just by joining and becoming part of that missions family and, and supporting it just for the six months, you can do that. And, and trust me, you guys know in, in the... Nations that are developing like that, a dollar goes a long way, you know. Um, but also, as I was telling you about Sitha, you know, she went through a lot of tragedy, and yet her, her joy and her faith was just, it was unmoved. Even when tears were in her eye, as we were sitting at the uh, funeral uh, for her murdered brother, she's going to be having that surgery soon. And we have been working behind the scenes, some of the brothers, um, Paul and Ken, have been working behind the scenes to find out what are the options. Because as far as we knew, no one could perform this surgery. And this young girl, this firecracker of the faith, who could sing and preach the gospel, needs her voice. And that thing was right there. And they found that they can actually bring in a French doctor to do the procedure. 
Um, but it's going to cost a lot, anywhere between $2,300 to $2,500, if I'm mistaken. And I'm just going to throw it out to, to you. If you feel that you would like to try to help and contribute to this, we will be having someone out in the lobby to receive the contribution. It doesn't matter. You know, don't think, oh, I can't get, I can only give five bucks. Hey, that's five bucks. Okay, that, you know, it can do it. If you're going to do a check, just write Sita, that's S-I-T-H-A, on the check, so we know where that money is going to. If you want to use offering envelopes to do cash, you can do that too. Just right out there in the lobby, uh, Ken will, or Karen will be out there um, to uh, make sure that that gets to the right place. This wasn't real organized in the sense of giving you all the points ahead of time, the, the, the way that uh, the other brothers do it. I had some reasons. I was a little busy. And most of the time you hear about missions or coming to the church on, on one of its days, you know, you're, 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 going, you're going to hear this stuff about how you're going to be a part of it and what you're going to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But church, you're already a part of it. You're already a part of it by ordination of God, by command of God. You're already a part of missions. The question is, what kind of part are you? Where will you be? How will you be a part of it? That's the question. Are you taking an active interest? Are you actively thinking and, 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 and thinking about when we go on this missions trip, okay, where are they going? Where are they going? What are they doing? Is the word going to be there? Are we working through a church? You should be concerned. You should be concerned. And you should check us. And more than that, if any of you feel that burden, you should come with us. Because I promise you, it, you'll have the time of your life. I also promise you, it'll be hard. And you'll be dirty most of the time. But you won't even notice it. Because you'll be working right there with people who are hungry for the gospel. Um, I would like to see every church member here embrace that missional character of the church. I would like to see all of you just really understand this is who we are. Get to know who you are and walk in it. Let's pray.